0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we have heard a parable of our Lord, and I have the difficult task of trying to reveal something that seems almost self-evident from the parable itself. On the surface, it seems to be simply a parable of those who make excuses not to come to the heavenly banquet. For of course, it's a parable, and all of the parables are talking in some measure of the kingdom of heaven and what that is like. Here, it seems that there are simply just people who make excuses not to go. So the task for me as the homilist today is to try and reveal how that is relevant for those of us who are Christians, those of us who ostensibly have said, yes to that invitation that the master has brought out. Those who um, have said, yes, I want to come to that banquet. I want to partake. I want to be with the master. But just like all of the parables, the parables are told to us. They weren't just told as historical things just for that one person that it was told to or that audience. We are actually the audience because it is being proclaimed to us today. This is what the church does when it rereads and presents to us the parables of our Lord. So, what is Christ doing? It helps to be able to accomplish this task to hear what and where and who and what has happened just before Christ tells this parable. For the church picks up this passage in, this, in a sequence of events. So, where is Christ? Christ is sitting in the home of a Pharisee. He has just healed a man on the Sabbath in front of this Pharisee and many others, and he has challenged them to say, Am I, can I do this? Just before this, Christ has said, yes, of course I can, and you would be a hypocrite to stop me because, of course, you bring your working animals, your donkeys, your oxen to get water on the Sabbath. So, of course... I can do the holy work of restoring a man to his wholeness. And then he sits down and eats with this Pharisee. And he admonishes him, saying that the next time you throw a banquet, the next time you invite somebody, do not try and, or you are invited to a banquet, don't sit in the place of honor, but go to the lowest place. And when you throw a banquet, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the man, the Pharisee, responds, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then Christ tells this parable. So we know explicitly that he is responding to this Pharisee and his understanding of what it means to eat bread in the kingdom of God and who he probably would invite to his banquets and how he would treat them. He would put those who he thought needed honor in the place of honor and he would probably sit himself in that place of honor because he in his own self-image, sat there. So, it is a correction of our own, and especially of the Pharisees, but of our own materialistic understanding of what it means to eat bread with God in his kingdom. When the fathers, they look at this gospel passage, they see it as a preparation. It's a summary of that preparation of God, of the people of God, to receive Christ. In this form of a parable and how this preparation is misunderstood and how we make our own excuses in our own pride we outright reject the one who has prepared us to receive him so that banquet as we know is the kingdom of God the why the who and the what is radically unexpected of who will be there in that kingdom so in That summary of the salvation history that God has brought is the Old Testament. If the Old Testament is anything, it's the history of the people of God being prepared, yet never quite fully accepting God. In various ways, they've rejected Him. The Old Testament is that summary of that history of the Jews up to the time of Christ and what we, each of us, still do in some measure. So God prepares everything. He prepares everything in the world to give to his creatures a wonderful gift. He has invited and continues to invite all, and the gift is ready. You each are called to come and receive it. Yet not everyone does. We all make excuses. The chief one comes from our own pride. We often, in our own prideful, obsession, do what we think is best, what we think is most important, and choose, instead of accepting the invitation and receiving the gift that he has prepared, to go and do what we thought we should be doing, instead of what our Lord is inviting us to do and to come and partake of. So the meaning of this parable is this. God will give that prepared gift anyway to whoever will come and accept that invitation. God will give his gifts, for they are prepared, and he needs someone to give them too. To whomever is willing to accept them, that's who will receive them. So when the people of old rejected the greatest gift of all, our Savior come in the flesh, he went out and sent his servants to get the maimed, the blind, the blind those who could not walk, And then when his table was still not filled, he went out into the highways and hedges and compelled the people to come. So those who come to the banquet are not those who we think should be there, those of respected society, those who sit in the high places, the elite, if you will. They may be prepared and they are invited, but will they accept the invitation? Those who are there are the few who are chosen. All are prepared by God, yet only some accept his invitation. So today, hear the good news of this gospel. The gospel message is that God does not need our own gifts. He has prepared the banquet and wants you to come and partake of it. All we need to do is accept the invitation that he has given out and to accept him. But we don't always do this. We make our own excuses many, many times. History is filled with this. Spiritually speaking, as we said, not only the Old Testament, but all of history seems to be a record of our excuses to God to not come to his banquet. It is the story of of choosing our own way and rejecting the best gift of all. Christ is showing not just the Pharisee, but us today, how we make our own excuses. And instead out of pride set up an idol in place of God. The excuses Christ names in the parable teaching tending to some newly purchased land yoking up five newly obtained oxen and seeing that they are fit spending time with the new bride shows us the primary ways with which we reject God and place our own faulty concerns above him. We each Pursue wealth or bodily pleasure or comfort. Laboring to satiate our own bodily senses. Yoking ourselves to what will fade away at death. This is how we make our excuses. It's these things that are our excuse. Saint Nikolai, when he looks at this and gives his homily, has these beautiful words. Whatever a man believes in, hopes in, or loves, more than God, takes God's place and becomes an idol to that man, a false God to a false soul, our false souls. That, that about which a man most often thinks, that he most loves and most zealously desires. He will gradually become, that thing will gradually become the very essence of his being. A man becomes one with that which his love relates to. If God, then God. If dust, then dust. A man is saved or lost by his love in this life. There is only one saving love, and that is love for God. Every other love is loss. This is the story found over and over and over again in the Old Testament. The people turning from God toward Mammon, toward Baal, toward Moloch, toward Asherah, toward wealth, power, luxury, and pleasure. Each of these, sometimes, all of them, each of them and sometimes all, are chosen instead of God. When the proper time came and the invitation was given to come to the banquet of heaven, the people who ought to have been best prepared to come and accept the invitation rejected it. They chose what they thought was the place of honor for themselves. But this isn't the story just of the Jews. We Christians, in many ways, act like that Old Testament people of God. I wonder sometimes if it could be any other way, for we are the people of God in the church. We take the same action. We think only in terms of physical reward, of eating in the honored place, like the Pharisee dining with Jesus, of becoming the elite by the rules of the world. We love these more, I know I do sometimes, and choose and love these more than God. So these will one day be gone, and that love which I have invested it and perhaps you have as well, will be lost. It will not last. Bishop Dimitri of blessed memory, when he looks at this parable, has these fearful words, which I've kind of tried to open up to you, but he says it best. We, however, are guilty of the same rejection in many ways. We put bodily health before spiritual health, worldly learning before knowledge of God, future material secularity before preparation for the eternal life, luxury and self-indulgence before care for others. But we, like the Jews of old, fashion our righteousness to suit our own priorities. And there is perhaps no better way to summarize this parable's meaning for us, he says, than to remember this, that we can be replaced. Just because you have the invitation doesn't mean you're coming to the banquet. The sole difference between us Christians and the Jews of old is that now the invitation is open to all. The invitation has been made. We are now given chance to accept the invitation to the banquet by receiving holy baptism taking of Christ himself. We are the poor, the maimed, the lame, who have no honor or have something, nothing of worldly value to give or do we need to ask to, become, to come to the banquet. Christ is filling his table with these who are invited. I am invited and you are invited. We need to learn better in every way to become that broken people and not see ourselves as the special elite of God blessed in a world, worldly sense. We must understand that the banquet is spiritual and the reward may be hidden away from many, though it can always be glimpsed in the invitation. It is humility that compels us to accept the God of the universe's invitation. Humility and not the prideful excuse evidenced in the rejection we hear in the parable and that may be speaking to you today. Our own worrying pursuits and worldly hungers and cares are none other than our pride, which are blocking us from the heavenly banquet. Saint Nicolai continues in making this point. He says, we are all paupers without Christ, all maimed, all halt, all blind, Christ the Lord alone can enrich us with his true mysterious riches. He alone is able to heal us from our infirmities. He alone turns our hands to good works and sets our feet on the path of truth and righteousness. He alone is able to open the eyes of our soul and give us the sight to see our eternal destiny endowed with wedding gifts and every joy. This season and day, today as we commemorate the ancestors of God, is dedicated to the opening up of this banquet invitation to all. Our Lord and God's birth in the flesh is the invitation to all people. And if we recognize that we are maimed, we are the lame and the blind, we will be able to sit at the spiritual and eternal reality of his table. And now that the kingdom of heaven has come to all, Give no excuse, my brothers and sisters. It is those who rejoice in the preparation of the Lord, those who accept the invitation, that look, eat, and sing with joy at Jesus Christ's table. We can say together, Today salvation is come to me. Today I am called and chosen. He who is above all gods is receiving me, and I am humbled to receive him. Let us accept that invitation, rejoice, and in humble gratitude, eat thereof. Amen.